Welcome. Thanks for tuning in to The Arrow's Aim, where we bring positive spiritual perspectives that help you hit your target of living the Christian life. Ready. Aim. Grow. Thanks again for tuning in today on The Arrow's Aim. I want our conversation right now to be about the word qualified. And the idea of being qualified to fulfill your purpose in life. And no, your purpose is not your job that day. It's not the chores that you do when you get home. It's not uh, the plans that you've made through the rest of the week that uh, sometimes can weigh heavy on your uh, priorities list and take a lot of your energy and attention away from this true priority. As a Christian, it's shining your light. It is going out as a qualified disciple of Jesus and sharing the good news with others that Jesus died for them, for their sins, for them to have hope in eternity and in salvation, just as you and I share. An awesome purpose it is. And it's always a great and humbling reminder that we have a calling that goes far beyond the to-do list of each week. And that's what I want to focus on right now when we think about being qualified to do it. I have nerdy tendencies, and I love movies. And when I think about the original Star Wars trilogy, and I think about the grand entrance when the rebels stole an imperial ship with uh, imperial codes and imperial qualifications for the sake of what we're talking about now, and they're going to take it and get it into the Death Star uh, under the radar without being noticed. A great risk they took. Why did they take it? Because they knew if they're going to fulfill their purpose of getting rid of the empire, then they're going to have to get in that base. And the only way that they're going to be qualified to enter in is not by being themselves, and it's not by showing them who they really are and being transparent with uh, the empire, but it's by pretending to be something that they're not. And by using stolen codes, somebody else's codes and somebody else's qualifications from some other time to fulfill the job. And they do just that. And it's great for the movie. But on the flip side of that coin, uh, sometimes when thinking about being qualified to evangelize for Christ, our goal, we act more like the rebels trying to fly into the Death Star with stolen code qualifications Uh, that let us access where we need to be spiritually. We feel like we have a job to do, but we will never be successful if we come as we are. In other words, if we are transparent with people in our world, in our influence, in our weekly routine, the people that we need to be reaching out to and having conversations with, if we go as ourselves with our weaknesses and flaws and Uh, differences, then we'll never be successful. And what a lie that is by Satan. And I want to offer you so much encouragement by what God uh, reveals to us in Scripture. And it's simply that you are qualified. And you are the person that you are today with your strengths and your weaknesses, with your beautiful qualities and talents, and with your unappealing qualities and talents, whatever they may be, those are the things that qualify you to do what God's called you to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 
all talk about, and I want to encourage you on your time to read verses 1 through 6 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, because uh, it really sets the full scene. But it talks about how your qualifications and your sufficiency to uh, evangelize don't come from yourself or your strengths or your natural abilities, but from who God is. For the sake of paraphrasing, it's not about what you have or what you uh, can do, but it's about who God is and what he has already done that qualifies you to have that conversation, to have that Bible study, to invite that person and follow through in bringing them to church to worship with you. And as we talked about previously, having that meal and inviting that family or that friend over, you're qualified to do it, but you've got to follow through. There's a plaque, and I keep it in my house, and at times through my ministry, it's made it to my office and hung on my wall so I could have a reminder there as well. But it's followed me all through college when I made the decision to become a minister. Uh, it's just something that I always had to have hung up, something my family gifted me. And it, it's a wooden plaque that simply says this on it. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 27 through 29 says the same thing but in these divine words but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong God chose what is low and despised in the world even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God God hasn't called you to fulfill your purpose in evangelizing the good news, the gospel that sets man free. He hasn't called you to do that because you are just qualified in every way to be this perfect evangelist, meaning every word you say is going to stir the exact thoughts that the person needs to be thinking. Any question somebody might ask you in a conversation is going to have an instant answer from the scripture that fully supports your beliefs and that you're never going to uh, make a mistake in a conversation, in a meal, in a Bible study uh, that causes somebody to step back. It doesn't mean any of those things. You're as imperfect as anyone who's ever been created to fulfill the calling uh, next to Jesus Christ and the apostles. But he's qualified you in every one of your relationships to be able to reach people where they are. Even if it's uh, just the occasional acquaintances, right? The ones at the store that see you from week to week. The people at your job that you, you know, wave at and say, good morning, how are you today? And uh, it usually doesn't go past that. Well, you are qualified to take those things to the next level. And if you'll simply step out, God will reward you. When you think about unlikely qualifications, you can't avoid Moses. And the book of Exodus I'm going to refer to uh, the first few chapters in Exodus when he's called the burning bush, when he goes to Pharaoh for the first time, says, let my people go, and then the first uh, of the few plagues that God brings on the Egyptians. I want to call uh, up those pieces of history to um, explain this to you as it challenges me. Um, but when Mo Moses encounters God at the burning bush and God is going to call him as the I am to be the person who's going to lead his people out of Egypt he tells Moses, you're to go to Pharaoh and tell him these things. And, of course, Moses says, I'm not qualified, God. I don't 
have the words and I can't speak the words well and I've got no uh, authority over any of those people to be able to tell them what to do. Why are they going to believe me and how will I be able to tell them who sent me? And God gives them this ability to offer signs that can only point to him. Remember, it's not about your qualifications and who you are. It's about God's ability and who he is. And the same in the situation, he gives Moses this staff, or he lets him use his staff to uh, provide miraculous signs, turning into a serpent and so forth. And he gives him other signs that he can demonstrate to the people to show that he is from God. What is your staff? And what is your uh, ability and what are your signs that you can point to people and say, I'm coming on behalf of the love of Christ and I'm coming on behalf of the good news and I do serve God and that's why I can tell you these things with confidence. That's why I want to share with you my faith. What is your staff of Moses and your signs? And it's as simple as this. It's what the world and the church needs to be doing so much more of. It's what the church has to be doing so much more of if we're going to be successful in reaching people. It's offering our testimony for what God has done for us and is doing for us. Remember, he's always doing things for you and blessing you and helping you and comforting you. But to be able to share in a conversation, to be able to share with people uh, your personal experience in the Christian life makes 100% all the difference in the success of your evangelism and in their ability to, okay, I see and I can see that in your life and I believe that and that makes sense to me. Now what do I do? To be able to get to that point with somebody, that's the, the toughie for me in my life. And I've noticed that it's being able to have a transparent talk about, let me tell you about a sickness that my family endured, that I endured, that only God could have helped me through. Let me tell you about some prayers that I've offered that I can tell you right now only God could have answered them in this way. And let me tell you about some things and some things that I've done in my life that uh, I shouldn't have been able to come back from, but by the grace of God, I'm standing here before you. And so many things and so many ways that you can explain to people what God has done using your life story. Do that this week. Do that and challenge yourself to come up with that testimony that you can share with people. Uh, it's not about a cold Bible study where you just read the scriptures and you uh, say, now what, you know, now ask me a question, I'll answer it from a verse. Now there's a place, absolute place for that, but there's uh, just as big of a place in a personal relationship that leads people to Christ to say, let's, let's step away from this for a minute. Let me tell you about my life. I, I want to tell you about some situations that really cause me to search for Jesus. And when I found Jesus, some ways that he's carried me through so many things that I could not have made it through without him. And ultimately, your belief in what comes after this life and your hope in eternity as well is so important. So uh, to refer back to Exodus as we wrap this up, a few things stick out. You know, God goes, I mean, Moses goes after the burning bush on that first trip to Pharaoh, and he's going to uh, attempt to have this conversation with Pharaoh about the I am sent me to tell you to let my people go, to let the Israelites go. And, uh, you know, Pharaoh mocks him. And, and, you know, why should we believe him? And Pharaoh is concerned because there's a lot of Israelites in that nation that he's suppressing. And if they did uh, fall behind this leader, Moses, and they chose to rise up, they could do some damage and they could potentially overthrow uh, the kingdom and maybe escape. So he's not going to have that. Uh, for his slaves because they're so critical for building his empire physically uh, and with numbers and critical for uh, doing all the work that nobody else wants to do. And so he says, okay, before I give 
these slaves any reason to hope in him. I'm going to eliminate their belief in this God and in this leader from God. Now, the Israelites would build all these buildings with bricks, and they do it by slave labor. The, uh, the taskmasters and the slave drivers would crack the whips and drive them to work tirelessly, even to death, building these bricks, making these bricks. And uh, every one of these bricks had to have straw as a core part of it bonding together and being able to be a stable tool for building buildings. And the Egyptians would provide the Israelites this material, this straw, to be able to make their bricks as if it made their life that much easier, right? So after Moses goes away the first time, things got so much worse for God's people because Pharaoh says, okay, you thought it was bad before. Well, just to show you that this God is not coming through and that you're always going to be slaves here and that you have no other option, you can make bricks without the straw that we give you. You're going to have to go now and find your own straw. And their job got so much more grueling and hard and painful. And the only option for us as we translate this into our lives is just when we make progress in our ability to believe that we're qualified, right? Just when we begin to step out, the devil throws things in our way that will cause us to doubt ourselves and to doubt the time that we have to evangelize. And so when your week gets busy, right, you've invited somebody or you've got a meal planned or maybe you've done something and it's time to follow up with a phone call or do it again, invite somebody back, uh, then your schedule gets busy, your work gets busy, your family uh, has a sickness. And uh, I'm not saying any of these things don't need your attention, but I'm saying the devil has a way of making you feel so busy that you have to put your evangelism on the back burner. And this is the time when you're called to make bricks without straw. The labor is tough, but when you are stepping out in faith, the devil likes to make your life appear to be that much tougher. Now you've got to make bricks without straw, so to speak. God empowers you and he helps you in those moments if you will endure, if you trust, and if you believe in your qualifications, not in yourself, but in who God is, that's where the, the rubber meets the road. I'm busy, but this is a priority. My faith sharing is a priority in my life. My time sharing is a priority of my life. My worship and bringing people with me and making them feel a part of this family is a priority. Then that's when the rewarding happens. Not the rewarding in the sense of God is going to bless you with fame, power, authority, uh, respect, and all, but he's going to bless you with your successes and your evangelism efforts that a lot of times we don't see because we give in to this idea of, well, I'm not qualified, or I'm busy, so I'm going to pass them on to the person who uh, can pick it up and go from there. No, you have to see it through. God's qualified you for this relationship. He's qualified you in this person's life to meet that need of sharing Jesus with them. Second is this, looking at the plagues. Uh, one of the first plagues is uh, uh, Moses comes to Pharaoh and says, God's going to plague you with frogs. And so he calls frogs into the land of Egypt. Is this terrorism, right? It's, it's awful having frogs everywhere. It's, it's wild. It's strange. It's uh, impactful. And it shows that nobody else can do this, right? But then the Egyptian magicians, Pharaoh's magicians, they have secret ways of deception and illusion. And the scripture doesn't go into detail in Exodus and how they did this, but you get this idea really quickly that, okay, the world can mimic things pretty easily sometimes if we try hard enough to deceive people in thinking that God's not real and that his power is phony. And so what do the magicians do? Well, they make frogs too. They, they do their grand ceremony and they release frogs everywhere as well in whatever ways they do. It doesn't go into detail. 
Um, but here's where it gets interesting to me. It goes on in that chapter to describe how um, God can call the frogs away if Pharaoh would simply soften his heart and listen. Um, but the things the magicians couldn't do, they could not figure out how to call the frogs away. There are some things uh, that God opens up that the world can say, well, we can do that too. And we can do it just like he does it. But there are some doors that only God can close. There are some uh, changes that only God can make happen that the world will never be able to deceive you into believing. And the world won't even be able to attempt to do. And it just is a humbling reminder in the life of Moses there that as you lead and as you step out as a qualified leader, because God is qualifying you each step of that journey as you need, that the world's going to try to step up and cause that to be a failure or pull that person away from you or, or cause that relationship uh, an evangelistic effort to fail. But you have to have faith that there are limits to what the world can offer that God does not have that you are bringing to that person's life. And that is such a powerful thing. And to illustrate it even more, uh, the, the plague of gnats in the book of Exodus, one of the further along plagues is when God brings this infestation of gnats everywhere. And the magicians get together and they could not figure out how to imitate this. They couldn't do it. They did it with the frogs. But now that things have escalated, it's out of their control. It, we don't even know how to do this. And these are the best of the best at deception and illusion, right? And this is a, a next level reminder that eventually magicians, eventually the world runs out of ways to replicate the miraculous power of God. The world has limits uh, of their deception and limits to what they can provide to comfort you that God does not know and that God will never have. He does not have limits. And you, in your life, are a limitless being evangelistically speaking because you're coming on behalf of God it's understood that your heart's in the right place here it's understood that your efforts are pure and you're simply trying to become the person who's fulfilling their calling of reaching out to the lost people in your life and as you do this then you're limitless as we close this thought today I want you to leave feeling like you are limitless you are qualified, not because of who you have made yourself to be and your accomplishments, but simply and beautifully because of who God is alone, his sovereignty and his ability. And he said, just go out there and share my words with them. But it looks like this, having a conversation with someone, starting that conversation with the goal of this is going to be spiritual. It's not just passing by saying, hello, good morning, how are you? Good, you too. But it's digging deeper. How are you this week? What's going on? Everything going okay for you? How's your family doing? There's so many prompts that God has placed within your ability to open those doors that are limitless. It looks like having somebody over in your home for a meal and welcoming them into your house, letting them feel a part of your family. And it looks especially like inviting them to your church family and making an introduction to the one true God so that they may too worship him and come to believing in him. It's all about leading someone to the point of baptism, being buried in the waters, being raised up for a new life, and walking with you in this new journey, hoping in eternity and salvation together, not hoping aimlessly, but hoping as a qualified believer, knowing that God will fulfill his promises and do exactly what he said he's going to do. Thank you. Have a great day.
Thanks for tuning in to The Arrows Aim, where we bring positive spiritual perspectives that help you hit your target of living the Christian life. Ready. Aim. Grow. Grow.